Welcome to the Mom's Day Bunker with Carrie Henson. In the bunker, you will find joy, grief, laughter, and remembrance. It is a safe place for moms to gather during the storms of motherhood, to share stories and to encourage each other as we navigate doomsday moments that change the trajectory of our path as women. Our stories contain difficult subjects that may be triggering for some listeners. These are real stories from real moms that are surviving, have survived, and are thriving after the unthinkable happened. Please take care of your mama heart as we cozy up together, take shelter from the world, and begin. Lucy, she played travel volleyball. She had nine knee surgeries. As I told you, she blew her knee out. She had nine knee surgeries. Um, She uh, got in trouble in school a couple times. Um, One was her fault. One was not. Um, But everybody loved her. And they loved her because she was honest. And she was, I taught her from the time she could talk about girl drama. Because girls are mean. Oh, yeah, they can be, for sure. And I said, Lucy would come home, and she's like, Mom, they're so mean to my friend Jessie. Or this. And I'm like, what do you mean? She'd say, well, they're talking bad stuff about him. And I said, are they saying it to you, or you just hear them talking? No, they're telling me, hey, do you know, excuse me, what Jessie did or whatever, or what Molly did, or, you know. And she, I said, that's when you look at those kids and you say, does this involve me? And they'll say no and say, I don't need to know. And you walk away. I said, it's really hard to do, but you'll get more respect. It took her a long time. And I remember the day she came home and said, it worked. It worked, (laughs) Mom. It worked. (laughs) And I said, what do you mean it worked? What are you talking about? And she's like, I said, I finally said it. I said, does this involve me? She goes, then everybody wanted to hang out with me. I go, yeah, because they trust you. Because you're not going to talk that way. Even though they think it's fun, it's not. It's, It's not. And so what's right is right and what's wrong is wrong is with Lucy. Um, so she graduates college. She got a full-ride scholarship to play volleyball in college, and she had nine knee surgeries and never played her junior year. She was also a kid. Because she had nine knee surgeries, she knew what, you know, a pain pill would do. So she went to college. She went to Blinn. She didn't play very much because her knee was so bad. But she got to live her dream. She got to play in college, and that was all she wanted. She worked very hard. You see girls on the court. Imagine an injured girl on that court who has to work 10 times harder just to be there because she's coming back from a rehabilitated knee or whatever. I've never seen. She would come out of surgery with a volleyball in her hand just setting it on the wall. When she was in eighth grade, she said, I'm going to play basketball. I said, okay. Mama, need a hoop. I'm not buying you a hoop, Lucy. Mama, need a hoop. Okay, so for her birthday, I bought her a hoop. She'd be out there in the rain. She'd be playing against her brothers who are six feet tall. She said, my coach said, I got to shoot 50 times or or I can't make the team. Eighth grade. Eighth grade. Mm -hmm. So the first game, I go to the first game. The score was 32 to 12. 30 of those points were Lucy's. Wow. And her coach pulled her out. And I'm like, she, she couldn't miss. Granted, she played other games or she did miss, but... This game, this particular game, she could not miss. And her coach pulled her out. She's like, what did I do wrong? Coach said, take a break. 
But um, very, very, very competitive. Her and Davis both are very competitive. Johnny and Max, they played sports because, oh, my friends are playing and blah, 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 you know, kind of fun. But she was fun to watch. She was very fun to watch. So she goes away to college. She played She played at Blinn, and then she couldn't um, – she didn't play very much. She was in a lot of pain. Um, and she actually was going to start playing at another school, but she – it was just too hard. It was too painful. She said, I can't do it. So she comes home. And she's home. She's working full time. She's going to Lone Star, wanting to get out of the house. Which, if you don't want to get out of the house of your parents, then that's a problem. I figure if your if your kids want to stay at your house after they graduate high school, you are not doing it right because you're making life too easy for them. They should want to get out. They should want to be on their own. So she was home, and um, like I said, she worked full time. She was a um, porter. She uh, worked for a friend of ours um, in a lab, and uh, she was a nanny. She nannied these two little boys and went to school. And a year later, CJ went to college. So CJ was not home. She went to, um, she decided she wanted to go to um, Blinn at College Station. She's going to go to a JUCO. Uh, we kind of advised her not to because she didn't want to play a sport. Like, you're going to spend a lot of money yeah. to go when you should go to Lone Star. But whatever. They got it figured out. So, um, and again, we don't pay for college. So, um, she went to Blinn. Lucy and Holly are home. And Holly Holly and CJ would go to their moms every other weekend on one, three, five, and whatever holidays. So, um, this Lucy was working, going to school. And nannying, as I told you. And this was in January. And Holly was at her mom's house. And Lucy didn't feel good for like two days. She had cramped. She had this big biology project to do. So she worked on that. And she kept her room immaculate. So she was cleaning her room and doing all this stuff. And she came downstairs at like, I don't know, 8.30 at night. And she's like, I'm going to Sonic to get some ice cream. I said, okay. You know, that's very normal. Sonic's down the road. You go. She would go get ice cream or that blue drink, whatever, slushy thing, whatever oh, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she came back, and this is during COVID. You know, Lucy really struggled with going to school online. Not her thing. She had to sit in a classroom. I'm the same way. And she came back and talked to Jeff and I for like an hour. We were talking about, do you face, because some of her friends, like, you can't see him. It's COVID. Oh, my gosh. Everybody's going to die. Whatever. And we weren't like that. We didn't wear a mask. We never got COVID. And that was our choice. thousand percent. But, so, um, I left out a part. It's okay. It's Let okay. me back up. Yeah, back up. So, I'm going to back up to, I... One of my very good friends, um, her husband was working in Paris. And so he, she was staying there for like two years. And so me and my one of my really good friends from Ohio are going to go to Paris. Opportunity of lifetime. You got somewhere to stay, somewhere to show you around, blah, blah, blah. So we made this plan to go to Paris in March of 2020. Right when oh, COVID no. hit. Oh, no. Yes. Exactly right when COVID hit. And so my friend was like, she was going to fly to Texas. We were getting on a plane together and going. Amy, what are we going to do about COVID? I go, unless they tell us we can't fly, we're going. Like, I don't care. So we were leaving on a Tuesday. 
Monday they canceled our flight. Like, you know, can't go, whatever. So I got our money back. My mother was in Ohio. I was very close to my mom, talked to my mom two and three times a day. Um, she lived with me for two years prior to moving to Texas. Then she went into a retirement home. Um, and then she couldn't stay there because she start, had early signs of dementia. Um, so she actually lived with one of my sisters. So she was living with one of my sisters in um, Ohio. Well, it got bad. Like My sister couldn't take it anymore. I wasn't there. I can't say why. I don't know. So she went into a like a, um, assisted living. She fell and broke her hip. So when you fall and broke your hip, they put you in. She had to have surgery. So they do this surgery, put a steel rod in her leg and the ball joint of her hip, and then they put you in a rehab facility for physical therapy and stuff. Then COVID hit. And my, two of my sisters and my brother would go up and see her quite frequently. There, I have two sisters and a brother in Ohio. So my sister calls me. Tuesday, our flight got canceled to go to, to, go to Paris. My sister calls me on Wednesday and says, um, wherever my mom was staying, I don't remember the name of it. She says, um, they just called me and told me that mom hasn't eaten in a week. And she won't do therapy in a week because they were going up there all the time and then they couldn't go up there because of COVID. So for like two weeks, she was left alone. Probably thought they left me here, you know, never coming to see me again, whatever. She was 84, 85. So <clears throat> she says, they tell me mom's not going to make it. And I said, can I see her? If I come, I'll come home tomorrow, but can I see her? I'm not coming home if I can't see her. Well, she had a meeting with hospice that day, whatever. Okay, so I call hospice. I'm like, if I if my mom gets put in there, uh, are we allowed to go in? She's like, well, you can stay at the window outside. Long story short, she stayed at the hospital, and they let us go in. Hospice took over, and so I flew home. My flight was $3 because of COVID, by the way. Dang. And so my husband very generously upgraded me to first class. <laughs> wow. For $27. And um, I flew home, um, and I stayed at the hospital from Wednesday, and my mom passed away Saturday night. But it was five days. She never woke up when I was there. Um, all my kids would call. And... Um, all my kids would call and talk to her, and she would move, like grunt or something, so you knew she could hear you. She passes away. I fly back home. We couldn't have a funeral. Couldn't do anything. Deal with all of that. Nine months to the day later, to the day later, Lucy goes and gets ice cream. And she says, so she came back and we were talking, you know, do you Zoom call your friends? Do you FaceTime a lot more now? It was this whole conversation about stupid COVID, whatever. Um, and she's like, yeah, whatever. It was great. Blah, blah, blah. Good night. I love you. Sweet dreams. And that was the last I ever talked to her. Last I ever heard her voice. The next day, Jeff and I got up early, which we normally do. We went out to breakfast. We went to Lowe's farted around, you know, whatever. It's like one o'clock. No, it was like 1230. I went upstairs and I knew Lucy had this big project. Her TV was on. I assumed she was in a room. 
You know, we had been in and out of the house. Like, she could have came down and got something to eat, whatever, didn't know. And I'm like, I got to go to the grocery store. I'm going to make Lucy, I always made a kid go with me because then they get to pick out the ice cream, the cereal, all the fun stuff because I hate grocery shopping. So I walked into her room. Her TV was on. And I thought she was sleeping. And I look a little closer and there's just stuff in her face. Like this foam. I'm like, what's in your face? So I go up to her and I grabbed her arm and she was ice cold. I started screaming for my husband. I said, I'm so he comes upstairs. I'm like, call 911. Something's wrong. And he went downstairs. Our neighbor across the street is a nurse. So he went outside and was screaming for terrorists. He's got 911 on the phone. I screamed so loud. My neighbor who was, lives two doors down in his garage heard me inside my house in January when the windows were closed. And I'm there with her and I'm wiping, I wipe this stuff off her face. And I'm talking to her and I'm yelling. And I hit her to wake her up. I smacked her so hard to wake her up. She didn't wake up. Jeff comes back in the room and the neighbor's with him. And they're telling me I have to leave the room. I laid with her. I tried to keep her warm. I couldn't move her. I just kept... I don't know. I don't even know how I got out of that room when the rescue squad or the EMT people or whatever came. I don't know how I got out of that room, but Jeff says he carried me. <clears throat> I don't recall. I do recall what it looked like when I opened that door every single day of my life. Every time I close my eyes, that's what I see. And it's been two and a half years. We go downstairs. And there's like, I'm having a fit because there's these four men that she doesn't know in her room and Lucy always slept naked. And how could I do that? How could I let these four men? And I was, I was going crazy and they come downstairs and I remember these four men standing across from me or they're just standing there staring at me. I said, what have you got? What? I said, you didn't even go up there with a bag in your hand. You didn't go up there with a machine to help her. Nothing. And he just looked at me. He said, we did everything we can. We could. I started punching him. And my husband pulled me away. He told us we had to leave the house. We had to go outside. Because you have a healthy white person that's going to pass away in your house. And they're going to search your house. So we go outside. And I look at Jeff and I said, I need my phone. I want to call my mom. And the look on his face was, oh shit, I got to tell her this too. And I remember looking at him saying, I can't call my mom, can I? He said, no baby, you can't. And I don't know how the events played out after that. I know at one point I turned around and my best friend was there. And I said, how'd you get here? 
I know that um, I remember calling Davis. And he was he's like, hey, Mom, I'm playing a game. Can I call you back? And I'm like, no. You need to come home. You need to come home now. He's like, what's the matter? And I dropped the phone. I couldn't tell him. Somebody... Somebody else was very protective and took my, like Lacey had my phone or, or, um, Travis, our neighbor, he took, he was there the whole time. He, he talked to a lot of people and a lot of people screamed at him and cussed him out. Like Johnny, Johnny cussed him out. I said, I don't know who you are, what you want, but put my mom on the phone. What do you say? What do you say to these people? My life now is defined by before Lucy and after Lucy. I can't explain to you how I got through what I've been through. I don't know... People say to me all the time, how do you get up? Well, number one, I don't have a choice. My choice is not to get up. And to me, that's not a choice. Because Lucy was the type of person, and this is my driving force. She was the type of person that would say, I did this, Mom. You blame me. She would take full accountability for what she did. And I respect that. Now, do I believe... So while we're outside and the detectives finally come and get Jeff and I and they take us back in the house and they sit us down at this table and they said, this looks like fentanyl. What the hell is fentanyl? I didn't have a clue. I had no idea. Zero what fentanyl was. I know everything about it now. But at the time I knew nothing. And he told us. And which makes it 10 times harder. Now I have to say my child is no longer here because of something she did. But she never did it with that intent. She had cramps and she took a Percocet. And she knew what a Percocet would do because she had surgeries. She knew. She couldn't sleep. She didn't sleep. I'm not saying she was innocent in the drug world. She wasn't. But she knew what a Percocet would do, and she would never, ever have wanted this. So, all my family from Ohio came to this funeral, which I had for one day. I got criticized for that because I'm like, you expect me to stand there for two days and talk to people? There's no way. This ain't about you. You should have talked to her before. When we walked into that funeral home, which I didn't plan any of, uh, I mean, I say that, but I had, I had help. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't want to be there. Like when we had to go make the plans, I, I had to be carried in there. I, I didn't want to go. I walk, I, I drive by that place every day and I freaking hate it. So when, when, when you walk in there, and we go there. The family goes up first. That was not my child. It didn't look anything like her. 
And that was the only thing that got me through that funeral. Because in my mind, that was just her earth suit. She she wasn't there. That was that was not my child. Didn't look like her. I didn't pick out her clothes, which she wore what she would wear every day. You know, we didn't do anything fake or, you know, she was very basic. But every day, I have a choice. I I have every reason to wake up and hate the world every single day. And I consciously choose not to. Don't get me wrong. I have bad days. And I have days where I think I have to live this way the rest of my life. What the hell am I going to do? How can I live this way? How can I live one more day? How can I get through another birthday? How can I get through Christmas? What am I going to do? How do I plan it? Everything we do is every dinner, every sunset, every sunrise, everything we do is different. But I think if she saw me, and some days I hope she's not watching, (laughs) but I think if she saw me and she saw me hurting and crying and upset every day, she would be so mad at me. And I don't allow myself to do that to her. I don't allow myself for her to feel guilty about this. Is it right? I don't know. But here's the thing. There's no rules. There's there's no book. I mean, people gave me tons of books, but all of them tell you to pray, which, yeah, pray, duh. But it doesn't make me feel better right now. But it doesn't tell me how to get through every day. Um, so I've learned a ton. And um, people have taught me some things. I count on my friends. I have a very good support group. And I count on them. I mean, and they don't know what to say. So I feel like if I tell them what I need, like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm calling you right now and I'm having a really bad day. I don't want you to say a word. I just want you to shut up and let me scream. I just need to get it out, but I need somebody to listen, but I don't want you to say anything. Guess what they do? So it helps me to help them if I tell them what I need. Like, hey, I just need you to bring me a bottle of vodka. Yeah. Or hey, I just need I I just need I just need um you to come over with a punching bag. Yeah. Whatever it is, because they your friends are bouncing off the wall as much as you are. And they don't they don't just say, they don't want to do. So, I try to help my friends by saying, "Okay, here's what I need." Like, you know, I need I I I need a girls night out or I need you know, I don't know. Whatever it is. And I'm very real. I'm very raw. If you can't give it to me, okay, no problem. I appreciate you being honest and I'm not mad at you. I respect it. Like, you know, you don't know what to say. I remember the next morning, one of my really good friends came over and she said, I I just want to come over and give you a hug. Can I come over and give you a hug? And I said, yes. Because Holly came home and she didn't she wasn't home. She was at her mom's and she didn't want to sleep upstairs, which I understand. So we all slept downstairs that night and I never went to bed. Sat outside. Jeff came out. And I remember my friend saying, um, I just want to come over and give you a hug. Okay, come on. She came over and she, she grabbed my face and she said to me, she said, I loved you, Amy. I love the old Amy. She said, but you're going to be different. And now I have a new Amy to love. 
And I think about that. And at the time, the next day, you're like, I'm the same person, but you're not. You're not. And you can fight it or you can embrace it, but you're not going to win. You're not going to win if you fight it. I mean, I wouldn't expect you to anyways. I mean, it's it's the most gut-wrenching, brutal thing you can go through. Um, it's not how it's supposed to happen. You're not supposed to bury your child. You're, you're not, you know, whatever, however you want to say it. It's not normal. And then I had one lady say to me one time, I didn't know her very well. She was very sweet. And she said to me one time, she said, um, you were so lucky to have her for 20 years. I wanted to punch this woman. Like, how dare you even say that to me? I counted to three in my head because I have the mentality that I that I, I know that people who talk to me don't know what to say and I always think that their intent is good because if I took everything they said that irritated me or you could take it either way and I took it the wrong way, I'm hurting myself because now... So I always assume what people say, whether right, wrong, or indifferent, is for the good. So I let this woman keep talking, and I just kind of, I probably gave her a look. I don't know. And she said, I would have done anything to love a child for one year. She said, I could never have children. I don't know why. She said, I would have done anything to have a child for one year. You were so lucky to have her for 20. Perspective? You're damn right. Do I feel that way? No. But from her perspective, you know, so I always assume people, people tell you things and their intent is good. And, you know, you learn, I learned, I learned three major things. You're going to lose friends. There are people that are still scared to talk to me. I had neighbors that would go in the house when I'd come outside. And at first I'm like, did I do something? And then when you figure out why... You're like, okay. And then it becomes kind of funny. Like, really? Like, you're an adult? And then you realize, you know what? If you don't know what to say to me and you're afraid you're going to hurt my feelings, it's probably a good thing you go back in the house then. Like, I'm okay with that. Right? Like, if you think you're going to hurt my feelings and you're that worried about it because you don't know what to say to me, and you go back in your house and you avoid me, okay. Our friendship meant nothing. And I'm okay with that. It's real, right? Like, it's real. So, but I gained some really good friends. I have friends that they just cry with me. They just, The kind of friends that I need in this situation were not friends that are going to pity me. Don't pity me. I, I I don't. I need friends that are real with me. I need friends that are going to say, this sucks. I don't need friends. Oh, my God. Poor you, Amy. No, I don't want that. I want you to tell me it sucks because it does. I want you to tell me that you don't know what to say because you don't. Because guess what? There's nothing. You can say, you can say, I'm here for you. You know, I, I'm in, for God's sakes, don't tell me she's in a better place. 
Oh my God. For God. <laughs> you know which one I hated? I still hate. God won't give you more than you can handle. Oh, bullshit. I'm like, are you kidding me? Really? Like, I mean, one thing after another, that's no. the best you got? I can tell you what <clears throat> this did to me as a mom. I have no idea what this did to my kids as a sibling. I don't know what it's like to lose a sibling. I know that Lucy and Max were like twins. They look alike. They act, they they were, as a matter of fact, when we were going through pictures, we could barely find one picture where there was Lucy, there was Max. Like, was Lucy and Max ever not together? Um, Yeah, so you lose friends, but you definitely gain some, and I'm okay with that. And, you know, you should... People should be too because the real ones will stay. Yeah. The real ones will stay. And the ones that are meant to be in your life will stay. And the ones that weren't, if they go, and they, they may come back. I don't know. I don't do negative, so I don't, I mean, I don't know. Um, you need to, I learned that we have to do something when we're all together to incorporate Lucy in our life. For us, we paint rocks. Lucy, when she was broke in college, she painted rocks for gifts and put funny faces and hair on them and all kinds of crazy stuff. So we have a Lucy garden, and when we have people come over, we paint rocks. And we shellac them so they weather, and you put the name and date. You can write whatever you want on this rock. And that's our way of keeping her close for Christmas. We all write her a note and put it in her stocking. Haven't read any of them yet. Maybe we will. Maybe we won't. But before we open gifts and everybody's opening their stocking, that's what we do. Um, there's other things we do where we keep her, like, I have everything she owned in, in boxes because we moved from that house. You think I can get rid of that? No. But I don't know what I'm going to do with it. I mean, I'm going to make a quilt, do the thing you make a quilt. My oldest son, Johnny, got married in May 5th of last of. Last year, he had his one-year anniversary, so 2023, or 2022, he got married, outside wedding. It was really fun. Davis got married in March of 2023 in London, so we took this huge family vacation, which was very difficult because that was all Lucy wanted was to see her brothers get married. I just want my brothers to get married, Mom. She would say this when they were 19. I'm like, slow down. Like, it'll happen. Slow down. So... That was very difficult because she missed both of those milestones and that's all she wanted. They had a chair for her and, you know, you do all the standard stuff. It's just, again, before Lucy, after Lucy. It's just how your life is defined. So come May. On Saturday, May 4th, Max posted all this stuff on his story or, I don't know, social media or some something about uh, Lucy. So I knew he was having a rough day. Davis and Kira had gone camping like four hours away from Virginia. Max was in Virginia. And Davis calls on Sunday at like three o'clock. He's like, Mom, have you talked to Max? Actually, Jeff and I were at the builders. We're building a house. My phone rang three times in a row. I'm like, I better check that. So I check it. It was Davis. So I call him back. I'm like, hey, what's up? He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm at the builders. He's like, have you talked to Max today? I'm like, no. Talked to him yesterday. He's like, his roommate called and said he was coming home um, early in the morning and he never came home. And 
He's called the hospitals, the police, and jails, and no sign of Max or any of the people in the car. I said, okay, give me the give me the phone number of the police. I'll call them. So we leave the builders. We get in the car. It's an hour away. And Davis is four hours away. He's like, Mom, I don't know what to do. I said, give me Sean's phone number, his roommate. So I called Sean. I'm like, please get in your car and drive to where Max's car should be. Let me know if his car's even there. Did he ever get in the car? Did he ever leave? Whatever. Because you're talking Virginia Beach. Max's car isn't there. Okay. Call the police. My husband's talking to the police on the phone. This is an hour later. He's talking to the police on the phone. And Davis is calling me. And he's like, maybe he went with a girl or something. I said, Max, he, I'm not saying he wouldn't go with a girl, but he wouldn't do it and not tell anybody. So the police are on the car, you know, speaker thing in the car. And Davis is calling me. He starts screaming on the phone. He's like, Mom, I just saw Max's car on the news. They're telling me four people were in the car. One didn't make it, and three of them are in surgery. And that's all we knew. And the police are telling us there's been no accidents. There's been nothing. So fast forward to... Uh, so Jeff tells tells the cop, look, here's the accident. It was at this location. Oh, yeah, there was. Okay, well, was my son in the car? Oh, I don't have that information. Okay. So the hospital had them all listed as John Doe's because they, were, they weren't thrown from the car, but they got out of the car. They went there. And I don't know if it was. Part of me thinks that they did that to protect him from media and lawyers or whatever. I don't know. Police or I don't I have no idea. So this doctor calls me and he tells me, yeah, your son has a broken femur, dislocated his hip, lacerated his kidney, liver, and spleen, multiple contusions on his head, a hole in his leg, and uh, he just he's out of surgery. I said, okay, well, we're trying to get a flight. It's very hard to fly into uh, Virginia Beach. Couldn't find a flight. So I said, we're debating on driving, but it's a 24-hour drive. He's like, you need to get here ASAP. Okay. So we found a flight like early, early, early the next morning. We get the kids, we we get on a flight and we go there and I walk in and my son's on life support. Not only is he on life support, he has seven IVs in his arm and one of them says fentanyl. Max still doesn't remember anything, nothing. He only knows what we tell him. So I don't know what's going to happen there. But I'm done yeah, yeah. I'm done with the mom moments. I need some good mom, and I've had good mom moments. But you know, the thing is, is honestly for me, I consciously decide every day to wake up and make it a good day because five other kids need me. Number one, my husband needs me, and this is funny. <laughs> one day he came to me after Lucy, and it was like, like I didn't sleep. I didn't sleep for like four days straight. Never even went to bed. Wasn't tired. I couldn't close my eyes because all I saw was her laying in the bed. And he said, um, he gave me a 10 on all PM. He said, you have to get some sleep. So I was zonked. That zonked me. And you got all these people at my house and bringing food. Somebody brought coolers just to put food in outside. Like, it was crazy. The amount of support. But so he says... uh he says, um, you got to sleep. Gives me this time at p.m. I woke up the next morning screaming. And I said, oh, my God, Jeff, where's Lucy? I had this terrible dream. 
Like I didn't even, he had to tell me everything. I thought I was, I thought it was a dream. <laughs> then, um, he came to me about two months afterwards. Cause I, I would wake up and, and be sleepwalking and go put clothes on and say, I was going to get her from the hospital. And, and I was, and, and we had to go find her and she needed help and just screaming my head off and punching and every night. He said, you need to sleep. I didn't sleep. He said, you need to sleep and you need some medicine. I'm like, I don't want to take any medicine. He said, you need help. So I go to my doctor and I tell her and she's like, okay, you need some help. <laughs> so gave me some medicine to sleep and some Prozac or whatever. I don't know. I want to say Prozac, which I think that's what it is. Very low dose. So you got to go back and get your meds checked, right? Right. So I say to I say to Jeff and Holly, I'm like, I'm going to get my meds checked, but I don't feel any different. And I don't like to take medicine. I don't like to take any kind of, I don't like to take cold medicine. And I said, so I'm going to get my meds checked. So, um, but I don't think I need them anymore. Like, I, I'm good. Like, I don't think, what do you guys think? They're like, no, you need them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, well, that was quick. Oh, man. Yeah. I'm like, what, what, what do I need about them? And Jeff's like, Amy. You really, you, you, you do need those meds. So I'm like, okay, but I don't want to take the sleeping pills anymore because like I got to where I cut them in half, you know, and I said, I'll, I'll try to be good. I promise. <laughs> 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 because I'm not sleeping. He's not sleeping. And like, I'm up walking around, waking the dogs up and just this whole thing. And I said, I'll be, I'll be good. I promise. And so, <laughs> so he's like. No, but you, he said, I said, what do you notice different? Like, what do you, like, I don't feel different on the medicine, right? Like, I don't feel any different. He said, here's what he said. He said, when you get in a hole, you can get out of it. And I mm. said, okay, that's probably true. He said, like, you still, like, I allow myself to have moments. I allow myself to scream and kick and, and have bad days. And, and like, I do, I have to have those. Like, I can't not have those. I'm just not allowed to stay there. That's my rule. I can have those days. I just can't stay there. Like the other day at work for the first time at this job, I had like one of her friends sent me a video. And I knew I shouldn't open it at work, but I did. And I, I knew I was going to have a meltdown. I knew it was going to be ugly, the ugly cry. And I went to my boss. I'm like, I got to go home. <laughs> He's like, okay. He's like, you okay? I'm like, I'm fine. I just got to go. And I tried to get there before you had the, you know, crazy cry. But, you know, and, and again, I allow myself to have those moments. I just can't stay there. And that's my rule. Like, you can't fight it. You can't, you, you know, as much as you hate those moments, I don't ever want them to go away. Because it's, it's the price you pay for love. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's Oh, I love that. You, it's the like, price you pay for love. Yeah, and it is. It's just... There is no love like a mother's love. And I just, you know, like I hate the word grief. I went to I went to these classes, these grief counseling things. <laughs> and I probably shouldn't say this, but I did. I went to these and they're like, oh, you lost a child. You're going to grieve for five years. Five years? Really? So, like, when Lucy should be 25, I'm good? Like, is that what you're telling me? Like, what do you what, what do you mean five years? And so, 
I just thought that was the most insane thing ever. And so once I convinced myself to stop looking for a day, a day for things to be better, a day for this pain to go away, a day for my life to be normal, a day for whatever, once I stopped looking for that day, like five years, two years, 10 years, whatever it was, I was better because I thought there's never going to be that day. That day's never going to come. Like there's never going to going to be a day where I'm normal or where my life is normal without her. Right? So I've decided I have to learn to live with it. And that has to be my new normal. Like I have to learn to live with the fact that she's not here. Now, do I brainwash myself every day and think she's going to walk through the door? Yes. Do I know what I've been through? Yes, but I can't. It's almost like I can't accept it because if I do, it's, I, I don't know what I do. Like, I do not accept this. I know what I've been through. I know where I've been. I know what I saw. I know what I did. I know what I felt. I know everything. But it's not real. Do you feel like you've had to reinvent yourself? A thousand percent. And, like, you know what's weird is, like, that first night when I, you know, we were all sleeping downstairs and I got up. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't lay there anymore. And I just went outside. We had this little fire pit thing going. I had some more fire, too, because it was cold. Went outside and my husband comes out and he follows me and one of the first things we talked about was marriages don't survive this. Mm. <laughs> oh, man. Marriages don't survive this, especially a marriage when it's a blended family. Like, so now, and we, and we talked about it, like, because men totally get through this differently than women. And there's not a lot of stuff for men out there. There's not a lot, like, Jeff to talk to people. Like, he feels like he's whining because they don't know. And he's just, you know, like, and he's a manly man. Like, you know, Hunter and blah, blah, blah. And, but you talk about his girls, the girls, and he just breaks down. But also, like, he doesn't talk, he doesn't, he doesn't talk talk to me about it a lot like I know when he's having a rough day he's not as prominent with the crying and screaming like me <laughs> but um and some and, and I just go over and hold him and say what do you need do you need a hug do you need me to leave you alone like and he'll be like I'm okay I just want to be alone okay I get that you know and I'll leave him alone you respect it but marriages typically statistically I should say do not survive this yeah no, I mean, because you want to do the blame game. You want to do all this stuff. And it's so, I feel like I can't blame anybody because I would have so much hate in my heart and I just don't think I could survive. Like, I mean, there's so many, so many routes you could take with blaming anybody, including yourself, you know, like we had a fight three weeks ago or whatever. But I, I can't, I absolutely 1,000% do not allow myself to go there because, like, so a lot of people gave us money during the funeral. You know what to do, and a lot of people brought food. If you didn't brought food, one of my friends set up this meal train. It was great. Um, if you couldn't bring food, they donated money, so we had, you know, thousands of dollars in there, whatever. And I never wanted that money. Like, what do you do with it? Part of me thought, I'm going to offer a reward to tell me where she got this. Mm. Oh, man. 
And another part of me thought, I don't even want to know. Number one, it doesn't change a damn thing in my life except hate. Like, do I, I feel like that person knows some way, some, and somebody knows somewhere, somehow, some way. And I hope they just keep it to themselves and don't tell me because A, my husband would probably be in jail. And B, B, I just feel like there would be so much hatred. My energy would be so focused on hating that person and blaming that person that at the end of the day, buddy, you got, you got, you got to meet your maker. You got to look in the mirror and, and either go about your day or not. I don't know. I don't know. And maybe you don't care, but someday you will. Someday you will. Or guess what? Someday you're going to meet her. Right? Yeah. So I, yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't want to know. God, that strength. That and is, then, <laughs> Amy, that is. Oh, I don't know. Oh that's my not God, strength. That's, I think it's, I, I think I'm a coward because of it. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Because, but I just feel like. There's so many, like we have, we, so we, we took this money and we, we started this foundation and we're like, okay, we're going to, first we we're going to do volleyball scholarships because she played club volleyball and that was a thing. And we're like, you know what? We're going to help people. So, um, we do, the, we have the foundation and, and I, um, go to a lot of schools and I talk to a lot of parents. I can't talk to kids cause they're just, I, I'd probably smack them. They'll be rolling their eyes or some shit. <laughs> and I'll be like... They'll be scrolling on their phone. They won't even be looking at you. Yeah, their nose will be on that phone. Yeah, they'll be scrolling their phone or, you know. And then you, you have parents that way too, not my kid. You know, not my kid. And as soon as you're saying it, they're doing it. But anyways, I wouldn't... I don't know. But we do... We um, pass out Narcan. And I do a lot of um, educational stuff on fentanyl. And, you know, Lucy, Lucy shines through in a different light now. She's on billboards. She's on walkways at high schools. She's on, which she would be so embarrassed. Would she, <laughs> would she hate you? She'd be like, oh, that, that picture. Like there was like you know? 700 people at her <laughs> funeral. And she would be, I'm like, if she only knew how many people loved her. Like how many people she affected, you know. She'd be so embarrassed because she used to get mad. Like, she had knee, knee surgery number three, and I'm like, where's your friends? Like, aren't they bringing you ice cream or something? She's like, oh, I didn't tell them. That's embarrassing. I'm not telling them I had surgery. I'm like, what? She's like, oh, I'm not telling them. I'm like, okay. She's like, that's embarrassing. Don't tell people I had surgery. I'm weak. That makes me weak. I'm like, oh, my gosh. But she didn't want any attention ever drawn to her. Like, so she would be so embarrassed, but. Wow. It's too bad. <laughs> <laughs> what is your what does your foundation do? Just educate is it education? Yes, we um we pass out we I use the money and I buy Narcan and I've done we we educate people like we've been to recovery centers and schools and neighborhoods have us over and we talk to parents about what to look for, what to do, what to you know. I guess I my number one message to parents would be just because your kid screwed up doesn't make you a bad parent and doesn't make your kid bad. You have to get rid of that stigma. Like people, people are like, oh, you're the one whose kid passed away because of fentanyl. Yeah, I am. You want, you want to talk to me? You want to ask me some questions? Like, I mean, 
I want to use the words, I'm okay with it. That's not what I mean. I'm not okay with it that she passed away because of that. But I'm okay with acknowledging her life mattered. Like, you can't. And and honestly, it takes a village to raise a child. And I would hope that people would talk. Like, I feel like if you if you talk and say, oh, my God, I caught my kid smoking weed. I don't know what the hell to do. Oh, let me tell you what I did. I caught my kid. If you could have those conversations, because those are real friends. The friends that you say, oh, my God, I caught my kid smoking weed. And they're like, oh, you're a bad mom. Like, what would you do to him? Oh, my God. Those are not your friends. Those are judgy people. The people that say, oh, my God, Amy, what do you need? Or how about this? I can one-up you. <laughs> <laughs> listen to my shit story. Oh, listen, I got one better than that. Those are the friends you need in your life. Well, and the, that, friends that, yes. the, the friends that are like, girl, come on, I'm, uh, come over with a bottle of vodka and it, say, okay, not, let's talk. You're not a bad mom. Yes, no. You're not a bad dad. It's hard. Your kid made that. You didn't say, here, smoke this. Well, maybe you did, but most people... <laughs> smoke this or whatever right but i'm like that's not is uh, that's a stigma like my logo for lucy is sos stop the stigma one and you're done and stop the silence because we we go purely fentanyl like we're and it's i could talk three hours on that too but you know it's 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 out there it's bad and you should be scared shitless of it yeah I mean, scared shitless of it. Yep. And it's it's no joke. It's not, you read it on a, it's very rare that you find somebody that's life or doesn't know somebody who's been affected by it. So yeah, it's, it's scary stuff. And I mm-hmm. live it every day. So yeah, so we educate. We, you know, that's the main thing. We have, um, we use money by, by, by Narcan, which will reverse the overdose. Um, in our case, it probably, if I had it at my house, I didn't even know what it was. Of course, I didn't know what fentanyl was, fentanyl was, but if I had it at my house, it wouldn't have helped her because I found her too late. Um, but it has saved lives. It's, it, and I know per- personally where it saved lives. And so, you know, we give it to co- officers, we give it to bars, we give it to restaurants. There are days I don't want to do whatever. But I just know she'd be so mad at me. She's ugly when she's mad. Yeah. <laughs>